everyone, you can take a seat, grab a seat. I hope you leave it here. You don't have to take it with you when you go home, but uh, take it for now. Uh, hey, I'm Jen Mangloss. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us this morning. Uh, it is beautiful outside, and I'm excited to get to spend some time outside after, and I hope you get to as well. Uh, and if you have any interest in gardening, like John said, we do have that fun group happening today at 1230, just outside on the lawn. If you've wanted to learn how to not kill things in your, plant, in your gardens, you should go check it out. Uh, so something really exciting happened this weekend, and I'm sure you all know about it. We're glued to your TV screens watching it on Friday. The second season of Ted Lasso dropped. Any Ted Lasso fans here? Yeah, okay, sorry Olympics, Ted Lasso is way more exciting. Except I'm gonna say like, here's the two caveats, Simone Biles, cause she's goat, man, greatest of all time. Um, and uh, if you saw those pictograms from the opening ceremonies, if you haven't, go watch it, it's amazing. Um, but I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan, and all, almost entirely that is because our lead pastor Brad last summer said, yeah, there's this show on Apple TV you should watch. I was like, I don't know, Brad. We like very different things, and I'm not into sports. But I listened to him, and if you don't know the show, it's, it's kind of fantastic. It's about an American football coach, not even like at professional level, like amateur level, who gets hired to coach a British soccer team, or what they would call football, real football. And so, ooh, my mic is coming loose, there we go. Uh, so Ted Lasso's hired, goes over there, and instead of kicking the butt of his players, like most, co most coaches do, he shows up kindly. And one of his biggest goals and values is to be kind to these men so that they become kind as well. Um, and I love uh, in the season, uh, the trailer for the new season that they released a couple months ago, the tagline was, this year, kindness makes a comeback. But has it really? Because in Ted Lasso, kindness rules, but you just have to go online to see people treating each other cruelly, turn on the TV to watch another fight between politicians. I even learned uh, on Friday, Black Coffee Northwest, which is a black-owned business up in Shoreline, they shared the building with our Bethany North uh, locations offices. The third time this year, less than a year actually, they've been vandalized and um, yeah, the previous attacks were racially motivated. Someone actually tried to throw like a Molotov cocktail at the building, um, but their, their windows were bashed in. Uh, so once again, they're experiencing the cruelty um, of these racially motivated attacks. And then I wake up this morning, reading, reading Facebook, reading, you know, seeing what's going on in the world. There's sh three shootings in Seattle last night. And this is just in our neighborhood. If you take all the instances of cruelty around the world, it makes you wonder if our world has completely abandoned the idea of, of kindness. Like it seems like kindness hasn't made a comeback, kindness has been lost. And yet, it's not gonna be all doom and gloom, I promise. <laughs> yet kindness is so important to us as Christians that it actually gets listed as one of these evidences that Christ is at work in our hearts. Uh, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So today we're going to look at kindness as a characteristic of, of God, the kindness of Jesus, and becoming kind in an unkind world. And I have to see, oh, it's bananas. Okay, every week I have to look and see what's the fruit going to be uh, with, with our fruit of the Spirit. So, But let's pray, and I'm going to try to get this not so, this always gets a little feedback with me. So, But let's pray. Jesus, 
uh, there's so much in our world that feels cruel and unkind, and yet you've dared to call us to be kind to those around us. And so, Lord, today we open our hearts and ask that you would come and transform us and make us into the kind of people for whom kindness naturally flows out. Amen. So at its core, kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. And the, world con uh, the word considerate comes up a lot when we talk about kindness because it's something we do for another person generally. Like you can be kind to yourself, but generally when you say someone's kind, it's, it's outwardly focused. And we consider the needs of another person's more than our own. And that's free from any sort of expectation of reciprocity. Like we don't expect anything back when we offer kindness. And there's also an action component to to kindness, because it's not just something we think about for someone. It usually involves some sort of action. Uh, it's an embodied depiction of love for the other person. And in talking about the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that love is both patient, which is what we talked about last week, patience, and it's kind. Love is patient and kind. Because remember, love is the core fruit of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's all the other fruits are going to flow from this. And so if your fruits become just a box to tick off, like, okay, I did my kindness thing today, I did my patience thing today, if this becomes the tickling off the box rather than behaviors motivated and empowered by love, this is a really quick path to becoming controlled by yourself rather than Christ. But if we turn back to the Old Testament, the Hebrew word used here for kindness is hesed. Can you all say that with me? Hesed. And even better if you can really get that hesed. Um, there we go. Well done, friends. Uh, and it can mean favor, good deeds, lovely things, loyalty, faithful love, and mercy. But it has also been translated as loving kindness, which it's not a word we often use in our lives, but I actually think it's a really beautiful way of encapsulating kindness. Once more, because it's pointing back to the fact that kindness is coming out of love. Um, love is this source. And it's not out of ab obligation, but kindness, uh, oh, I lost my place. But it's a kindness, kindness birthed from love. So not out of obligation, not something I have to do, but because I love this person in front of me, I'm going to show them kindness. And this type of kindness is characteristic of God. Uh, it's on display all throughout the scriptures, but I especially love how Psalm 136 makes this point by repeating the refrain, his love that word has said, or his loving kindness endures forever after each Thanksgiving. You might know that one word because it's really repetitive. Uh, he remembered us in our lowest state. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. You see where I'm going with that. It's kind of great. If you, if you are trying to figure out what the next phrase will be, there's a good 50% chance it will be his love endures forever. But the refrain answers an implied question. Why has God done these things? Because his loving kindness goes on and on and on and on. Because this is who God is. Because God's love is revealed through kindness towards us. This is the response, this psalm, of a grateful people who have tasted and seen the kindness of God. Where have you tasted and seen God's kindness lately? I want you to start thinking about that because we're actually going to come back to that later. But I think it's an important question for us to just sit with on a regular basis. Where are we seeing God's kindness on display? And not just in the big things, but in the little things too. But kindness isn't just something that God does. 
we see kindness in the life of Jesus. Uh, and because we're not just looking at the fruit of the Spirit in this general sense, we're actually looking at how did Jesus embody these fruit of the Spirit. Um, and there's a case to be made that Jesus is almost always kind. Like, you could probably pick any story in the Gospels, and it's like, yeah, that, that could be Jesus being kind. We could make a case for that. But I want us to look at how kindness was revealed in Jesus in the moments when he was interrupted. So here's the deal. I don't like to make generalizations. Uh, I don't like to stereotype people. But I think I'm, it's a pretty safe bet on my part that none of us like disruptions. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Because like they're never at good times. Inevitably, it's like when we're the busiest, most stressed and short-tempered. Like no one's going around saying, please interrupt me unless you're me this week sermon prepping. And then I was like, anything, anything, anything? Does someone need to talk? Someone want to go for a walk? No? Yeah, but I, uh, I used to work for a university, and I was about to head out on my lunch break, and I only had an hour, and it was, summer was really busy. We had a summer program running, and I'm about to literally like walk out the door, turning off my computer, uh, about to like lock the door, and a student shows up. And I'm like, oh. And so they have an injury, and I was thinking, okay, injury, we can get them to the nurse, it'll be fine. Quick, quick fix. And then he drops this bomb of, oh, and I think I'm going home. I don't think I want to be in this program anymore. And instead of going, oh, this poor guy, he needs some help, what I thought was, dang it, you're taken away from my lunch break. <laughs> but interruptions, don't they have this way of revealing what's under the surface? They often give us a really uncomfortable glimpse of what we really value and prioritize. Um, they can sometimes reveal how self-focused we really are, uh, of how kind or maybe unkind we are. And that's hard to hear, uh, but I'll, here's what I'll say. As someone who is often not at my best in the interruptions, um, there's, it's an op opportunity for growth as well. But I think there's something special we can see in who Jesus is by how he responds to these interruptions. Uh, in Mark 7, there's a woman who seeks out Jesus when he's trying to keep a low profile. He's literally, like, doesn't want anyone to know he's in town. And she, like, seeks him out, finds him, and asks him to heal her daughter. There's a man we call Blind Bartimaeus who cries out in Mark 10, Jesus, have mercy on me, interrupting Jesus' travel plans, which no one likes to have travel plans interrupted. Like, most frustrating thing. But then there's the woman who interrupts Jesus' meal to anoint his feet, which it's such a beautiful act, but also the man is trying to eat. Like, calm down there. <laughs> and you can already maybe see your own reactions coming up to these interactions, uh, in response to these interruptions. But what does Jesus do in each of these moments? He shows kindness. But I want us to land on Mark 5 to discover how Jesus responded to an interruption by a woman who was unwell. Jesus is exiting a boat when a synagogue leader, Jairus, finds him, and he begs him to heal his daughter. And so they go off together. They're going to go help Jairus' daughter. And then an interruption occurs. And this is where we jump into Mark 5. A large, uh, this is Mark 5, 24, if you're following along. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. 
At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I love this story. But I think there's some important things for us to know. By the nature of her bleeding, yes, we're going to talk about menstruation. It's, this is when you know you have a female pastor on stage. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're all going to get more comfortable with it. But this woman actually would have been ostracized in her community. Because in the Jewish faith, there were strict practices around cleanliness and purity. And this was part of Israel being a nation set apart. Leviticus 15 goes into all the details of what makes you clean and what to do in response. And we see this woman's specific situation outlined in verse 25. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in her days of her period. So if she had been bleeding for 12 years, that means for 12 years she's been in a constant state of impurity. That means she can't play an active part in her community. She's completely ostracized. This woman is an outcast. But it doesn't stop there, because when she touched Jesus, she actually made him unclean. Leviticus goes on to say that like, if someone talks, uh, is touched by a menstruating woman, they're unclean till the evening. And so she brought Jesus into her outcast state just by reaching out for him. And so how does Jesus respond? Does he get angry with her for making him unclean? Does he brush her off for the sake of healing Jairus' daughter? Does he just ignore her? No. He doesn't just allow for the interruption, but he shows kindness to her and heals her. And I love just how he responds. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And I just want to give us a moment to imagine what that might have been like as this woman. Because you're an outsider in your community. And in the moment when your desperation leads you to reach out your hands in need. Maybe even like she's not even conscious of this. She's just like, I'm so desperate. Maybe, like last ditch effort, if I touch this guy's cloak, something will happen. Because whatever has been happening isn't changing and she's too ashamed to even ask for help. You know, blind Bartimaeus would call out, Jesus, save me. She couldn't even cry out. All she could do was reach out. And she's healed. But then she's caught. All attention is on her. And just when you expect to be publicly shamed in front of this entire crowd, instead, you're treated with kindness, with dignity. This is who Jesus is revealed to be in this interruption. And I think that's a lovely thing, and I don't want to let go of that. But there are a couple of things worth naming. If you continue reading this chapter, or, or if you're familiar with this story, uh, Jairus' daughter dies. She dies in the waiting. Now, Jesus goes back and brings her back to life, so it's not an absolute tragedy, but still, she died. And so being interrupted means saying no to something else. It's no to our plans and expectations, it's a no to being in control, which we all love, right? Oh, wait, no. Losing control is really uncomfortable. 
And we do live in a world bound by time. And so when we say yes to an interruption, we actually have to sacrifice something. There's something we won't get to do. And so we sacrifice our needs at times for the sake of another when we show kindness. It's always going to cost something. But what would it look like to view interruptions as an opportunity for kindness rather than a frustration? When I walked the Camino, that became like anytime something would go wrong, it became this like fun thing of like, oh, what cool thing will happen through this um, change of plans? That's not how I normally live. And there's times where I wish I could get back to that, but I think that's that similar kind of posture of, oh, maybe actually something good and beautiful can happen when things don't go the way I hope they do. But the other thing we need to name, too, is that Jesus wasn't always this happy-go-lucky nice guy. I know sometimes we paint him like that. But this is also the same man who flipped some tables in the temple, like got really angry and like made a cord and was like whipping stuff. Uh, and he challenged religious leaders very directly, kind of got in their face. And so I think the important question we should be asking ourselves when we look at Jesus' kindness is, who did he show outright kindness to? And if you look in the Gospels over and over and over again, you're going to see that who he shows kindness to is the poor, the sick, the marginalized, to those who knew they were needy. Even in this story from Mark 5, Jesus could have ignored this woman who had no status or power. Um, and he could have done that easily so he could have garnered favor from Jairus, who was a leader in the synagogue. Like, he could have, like, gotten good with this guy who had some power. And so here's a picture to kind of think of this within your own life. I know us being in Seattle, a lot of us work in tech. Some of us work for Amazon. So imagine you work for Amazon and uh, Jeff Bezos, fresh from his flight to space with his little cowboy hat on, uh, comes to you and is like, I need your help immediately. Like, I need you to go do this thing. And then at the same time, when you're on your way to helping Jeff Bezos, maybe it's cleaning his cowboy hat or something, um, but on your way there, the janitor of your company comes up to you and needs help with something with their child. Who do you say yes to? Do you say yes to the person who can give you a raise, make a difference in your life? Or the person with the lowest job in your work who can't offer you anything in return? That's what's at stake here in Mark 5. And by allowing the interruption, Jesus gave dignity to this woman who had been told for at least 12 years that she was insignificant unclean and unwelcomed. So just by giving attention to someone, we imply that they matter, that they are worth being heard, that they too bear the image of God. Jesus' kindness wasn't just in healing this woman, that was kind, but it's also in giving his time and attention to her because it said that she mattered just by him engaging with her. So who you give your attention to indicates who you see as having value. Are you willing to give your attention to someone who has nothing to offer you back? And those are hard questions. And even as I wrote this, I'm sitting there going, oh, some days yes, some days no, right? It's a hard thing. So what does it mean then for us to become kind in this way? And, you know, we're coming out of this season of really intense stress. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm finding ways in which the residue from this past year is kind of coming out in my life. I'm like, I'm just still really tired. I remember things in the last year, and it kind of brings me back into some traumatic moments. But we, we're emerging from this time um, where our lives have been interrupted by a virus. Our lives have been interrupted by a fight for racial justice, by a lack of control, 
by the Delta variant. Like, our lives have been so interrupted this year. And what we see in these interruptions in a lot of us and in our world is not kindness, but anger, fear, stress, cruelty. And so it really matters actually right now that we become people who are kind because our world is kind of desperate for it. How do we become these kind of people who are naturally kind, not just tick in the box? How do we become the kind of people who show the loving kindness that Jesus showed over and over again? Well, so if we look again to our story, Mark, we see that Jesus was willing to be interrupted and he was willing to give his attention to others. He's willing to see them beyond the stigma society placed on them. He wasn't so focused on himself that he was oblivious or apathetic to the needs around him. And as I was sitting with it, I was like, he has a humble vision. Humble vision. This is what leads to an ability to say yes to the interruptions and to offer our attention to another. And one of the ways we cultivate this humble vision is to see our own needs, just like the woman in Mark 5. She knew she was needy. There was no dressing it up. Like, no one needed to tell her she was needy. She knew. And I think that's, there's something we can find in that posture that's actually really important. Because if we don't see our needs, then when we offer kindness, we're just trying to be our own superhero apart from God. Like, look at me. I miss kindness. Let me bestow my kindness on you. But it's something different when we offer someone kindness knowing that we also have been in great need. When we see our needs, it puts us in a posture of dependence on Christ. But we don't stop there. Because it's never supposed to stop just with us seeing our own needs. Rather, if we let it, our needs can open us up to our vision, open up our vision to those in need around us. We can recognize that same neediness in others, even if it's in different circumstances. It's what allows us to live into this saying that's often quoted when talking about kindness. You may have heard this, but be kind to everyone you meet. They are fighting a great battle. When I see the battle within, I'm invited to see the battle that others are fighting and to respond. And then we must receive and remember the kindness God has shown us. Remember the top of this, we were talking about that's who God is, kind, has said, loving kindness. We can only offer true kindness because God first showed us kindness. And not just one time, but again and again and again. And he continues to. His loving kindness endures forever. And it's this kindness that our world is so desperate for. And when we treat others kindly, it actually, in a strange way, causes people to pause and wonder, what's different about this person? Who's this Jesus they speak about? So some of you know about my mom, but uh, she's a secret evangelist. It's kind of amazing. And it's so secret, she might not even know. But she's pointed so many people to Christ literally just by being kind to them. And it's never with this, like, I'm going to be nice to you, read this gospel tract. It's not manipulative. It's just, like, truly who she is. Um, but the real secret with my mom is, is that she wasn't treated well growing up. She was treated pretty cruelly by her family and some of her friends. Um, but a lot, a lot in her family, and some of you can probably relate to that. But when she met Jesus, he showed her loving kindness. And, like, I can bear witness, that has transformed her life just by Jesus, experiencing the kindness of Jesus. And just this week, as I was, th I was thinking about my mom and, like, yeah, she's such the great vision for this kind of kindness we're talking about. And my mom sends me a text and goes, my hairdresser just posted about this on Facebook about me. And her hairdresser, Doreen, uh, 
about five years ago, I had a big change in financial, financial situations. So things were tight. And then COVID happened. And as a hairdresser, that industry has been hit so hard by this virus. And so the moment that happened, my mom texted her and said, hey, do you need a backyard to do cut hair in? You can use my backyard. And Doreen was like, no, 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 that's OK. But then my mom, even when she couldn't see Doreen for months, she couldn't get her hair done, she just continued to send her checks, like as if she was still going to her. And she tossed in a little extra when she could. And I love this because Doreen, in posting about this on Facebook, wasn't talking about how hard her life was been, has been. She talked about that, but her point was God showed her great kindness through certain people, my mom being one, one of them. And what she said was, uh, I quoted this from her Facebook post. This is where God comes in. Lorraine, that's my mom, and I have never hung out outside the salon. She just knew me well enough to know I was in crisis. My mom, deemed the recipient of great kindness in her life, offered this to Doreen as she saw her in this crisis moment. This is the kindness we're talking about today. And so maybe you're wondering, what's, what's the invitation, right? How do we respond? Maybe the call to kindness today will be to say yes to an interruption from your child, from the person who annoys you most, or maybe a person you just never met, a complete stranger. Or perhaps it will be in seeing someone on their own after church today and starting a conversation. Maybe it'll come through offering help to a person who is invisible or ostracized in our society. Maybe it's going up to Black Coffee Northwest and buying some coffee, or to someone offering to someone who has nothing to offer you back, just a bit of help. There are a lot of ways we can show our kindness. And some of us have forgotten the kindness Christ has shown to us. Like it's become old news, like yeah, 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 that was a while ago. Um, or that maybe the challenging circumstances around us have captured our vision more than the kindness of God. Like all I can see is that it's been really hard. And I'm not ignoring that. It has been really hard. I think the further we get out, the more we realize that it's been such a painful season. But that's not the end of the story. And I think a lot of times we're sold a false story that says uh, to be needy is to be weak. I think that's a story we kind of champion in the U.S. a lot of times is about strength. But there's never that side of like actually our neediness opens us up to great possibilities. So today I want to invite you to return to the story that we declare as true as followers of Christ. That while our neediness, our neediness will never run dry. Like, whenever we think it's kind of been, you know, taken care of, something else will show up. Because that's what it is to be human. To be weak. To be in need. To not be God, right? So our neediness will never run dry. But God's kindness, his loving kindness, his said, endures forever and there's plenty of kindness to go around. So, I wanna give us some time to name how God has been kind for us, and kind to us, whether that's individually, communally, because I don't think we often give space to this, to remember what God has done. And so, I have a couple of people, Glenn and Lisa, who are gonna start passing out some note cards, and Dylan's gonna come up and play some music, and here's what I want you to do. I would like you to write down in one sentence, one way, God. You have experienced God's kindness lately. And here's the deal. It doesn't have to be this big thing like, you know, like, gave me a new job, although it might be that. It could be something as simple as 
he had someone come say hi to me yesterday when I felt really lonely. Or I didn't have money for my next meal and he provided a meal. Like, look for the little things because those are just as as important. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to collect them and I'm going to read some of these out loud and then we're going to kind of do our own Psalm 136 where we're going to like, I'll read one and then we'll all say together, his loving kindness endures forever because it's really important that we remember this. We forget this as we go along. And yet, the more we remember this, the more we can own our identity as being the recipients of God's kindness and being able to offer that to others. So let me pray. God, your kindness never stops. And sometimes it's really hard to see that because there's so much in our world that distracts us from that truth. So Lord, help us to notice and see where your kindness has come through in our lives. And Lord, would you cultivate that vision in us just in general, on a daily basis, that we could have eyes to see where your kindness is happening. And then, Lord, would you give us a humble vision to offer that kindness to others? Lord, could we be like my mom, Lorraine, who seen the need in Doreen, showed up and helped, who offered kindness and pointed back to you. Amen.